As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, we're going to be in an amazingly familiar passage for the church. If you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one right in front of you uh, in the pew there, and also the words will appear on the screen. As we finish up our sermon series, a four-week series called Missio Dei, uh, joining God on his mission, what he is doing uh, in the earth and the world that he has created. And I got to tell you, as you read through the Bible, it doesn't take very long uh, for you to become clear. It's obviously clear that our God is a God who's very per purposeful. That's the word I'm looking for. Our God is a God who is on mission, always on purpose. We see it throughout his word and through, throughout creation that God would create all things amazingly. He would speak them into existence and he created all things for his glory. He created all things to tell his story. And then there's this mission of redemption, uh, that even though a sin entered the world and, and God and our rebellion separated us from God, our God is a God who's on mission in our redemption, that, that he would love us so much and demonstrate that love so clearly that he would send his own son to come and to seek to save the lost. I mean, think about the mission of Jesus. I mean, a, a bigger mission than that. All right, Jesus, my beloved son, my eternal son, uh, I have a mission for you. You're going to have to go look, look for lost sheep, wherever they are. Go and seek and save the lost. And I just got to tell you, hit pause. He found us all. He's found them all. He's still, he's still finding them. It's just amazing. He's not going to lose any of them. And oh, God, I'm so grateful that I'm one of those lost sheep that he, that he has found. And this, even in history, it's History is his story unfolding. It always reveals that God is very purposeful. God is on mission. I know that there's circumstances in our life that sometimes we think, God, are you there? God, have you forgotten? Uh, God, do you see? Uh, God, do you know? Uh, but again, we go back to God's word and we look back through the pages of time and we realize always purposeful, always on mission. And the really good news of God's mission is our salvation. It's the greatest news. Here again, church, the good news that, that God rescues us through Jesus, his son, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. And through that reality, that God is able to take sinners like us, who, who, by the way, Scripture describes us by nature we're children of wrath. By nature we're separated from God, Right? But through this work of Jesus, through the, the grace of God, through, through our faith, that he takes and rescues us, and he calls us his own. He makes us his own. I mean, it's so good. It's not enough that, that Jesus just finds us. And it's not enough that he just rescues us by, by washing us and cleansing us with his blood. It's not enough for him to just do that. He, he also adopts us as his own. He fills us with his spirit. He calls us his beloved. So how beautiful it is of this missional God who's always on mission to rescue us. But not only does he rescue us to, to make us his own, and watch this, he rescues us so that we can join God on his mission. I mean, many of us wrestle, what's my purpose in life? What am I here for? Ultimately, we are here for God. Uh, we're here for his glory, to enjoy him forever. But we're here to, to make sure that our lives are aligned with him, uh, also that our lives are aligned with his story and what he is doing on his mission. This is where we are with this four-week series, Missio Day. 
that God has called us to join him on mission for the world, to devote ourselves to this mission. No matter what we devote ourselves for, first and foremost, should be for God and his glory, for the good of our neighbors. Uh, we should be church like Marines, uh, devoted to the mission. I mean, making sure that, that our eyes are focused on the one who's given us this mission, that we should spend our energy, our, our resources, to make sure that we are faithful on the mission, devoted to the mission that God has given to us. Uh, I just started watching on Netflix, Swamp Kings. Um, it's the story of Urban Meyer and the, uh, uh, the Florida Gators, um, kind of during the Tim Tebow years, uh, which really interests me. And by the way, one of our elders, uh, really he's not here today, he's in Iceland. And he's a big Gator fan. And he can't understand why I'm not a Gator fan. And he, 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 he'll say things to me like, Jeff, you're a pastor in Florida. You got to be a Gator fan. You know, you offend people that you're not a Gator fan. And he gets upset with me that I'm not a Gator fan. And I say, well, let's just say his name might be like William. I'm a Christian. I can't be a Gator fan. I'm sorry for all you Gators right out there. So, but it's been amazing. Is Tim Tebow not amazing? I mean, what an amazing guy. So these Swamp Kings is the behind-the-scenes story of the Florida Gators, including their national championship. And I'm telling you, these guys are on mission. I mean, what they do in the weight room, I mean, what they do to prepare for war, it's all on this mission to what? To win a national championship. I mean, their goal was to go undefeated. So when you, when you have a big goal, you pour into it, right? What bigger goal do we have than advancing Christ's kingdom? I mean, we, we, we already know that we win the championship in Christ Jesus, that we, that we have been crowned and we've been washed and bathed, and now he calls us to be on a mission for him. So much more than swamp kings, right? Uh, we are the bride of Christ. So we need to be devoted to the essentials, of just like those Marines or whoever's got to be devoted. Hey, these are the essentials. You want to win, you got to do this. You want to go on mission, you got to make sure you have this. Church, we've been talking about the Missio Day. What are the essentials for, we, for us to have to bring God glory, to, to make sure that we're a blessing to our neighbor? We're going to look at a very familiar passage. Many times when we read a passage like this in Acts chapter 2, we say, this is a glorious church. We all got to go back. We got to be like the early church. Now, we, we got to glean things from the early church. We got to see, hey, what were they devoted to? What, what, what do we got to be devoted to as well? Uh, so that we can be a faithful witness today. Remember, God doesn't want us to go back. He wants us to march forward uh, to be faithful. So when we talk about being devoted to the essentials, we're going to look at four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We'll figure out what that is. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. We'll see what that is. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and they devoted themselves to prayer. So let's look at God's holy word uh, from uh, the pen of Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is telling us that kind of the history uh, of that church, the early church, uh, that has received the Holy Spirit, that God has promised the power of God uh, is upon them. Uh, God is sending them into the world, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth with this good news. And this will give us a glimpse of the early church, of, of what they devoted themselves to and what God was doing. So, church, hear the beloved, inerrant word of God. Acts 2, verse 42. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Now, Father God, it's impossible for me to read that portion of Scripture and not just long for that reality for the church today, for King's Chapel today. God, to see you so powerfully move in the midst of, of a community of believers, to see what they were devoted to and the fruit that that provided, uh, that that actually bore for your glory and for the good of those around them. God, to see you add to your church daily those who are being saved. To see your church in, in common unity and common vision for the, your glory. Man, in so many ways, Lord, we just long for that as well. But God, you don't want us to go back. You want us to be a faithful witness today and move forward. And God, we thank you that in your wisdom You've given us these kind of ingredients. You've given us these essentials for us, the church, to be devoted to. For us to do that which you've called us to, to the missio day, to be on the mission that you've called us to. So God, come and be with us and come and teach us and come and speak through a broken sinner like me. Oh God, would you give us ears this morning to hear your voice and would you give us minds that would understand your word? Would you give us hearts, God, that, that is devoted and embraces your truth? And God, would you be with us so powerfully that we'd walk the talk, that you'd give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name. God, the things that I say that are just my opinion are wrong, may those things be forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, oh God, use those things to shape and make us, to transform us, to be more like your son, our Savior, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. So you get this little glimpse, this, this little picture of the early church that, that's been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're, they're going to become, by God's grace, world changers. I mean, it's amazing what God is, is doing and is going to do through them. And it says they, they had a devotion, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's interesting. It doesn't say they devoted themselves to the law. It doesn't say they devoted themselves to, to the Bible. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teach, teaching. Why? Well, really it was for the transformation of their lives, for the transformation of their minds. But you may want to ask, well, what, what, is, what is the apostles' teaching? What is unique about this? What are they talking specifically about? And we know that the apostles' teaching, it's, it's Christ-centered teaching. It's gospel-centered teaching. Uh, so when you walk in and you see the banners out in the far, uh, hallway, the first one is gospel-centered. And it makes us think about what happened on the road to Emmaus when Jesus appeared 
to these two disciples that were walking out of Jerusalem that were so bummed out because they thought Jesus was the Messiah, and now that he has died and was crucified, it's been three days since then, and they were like, ah, oh, we had hoped he was the one. And I love how Jesus tells us a story that, that God's word does, that Jesus shows up and he walks with them. And, and he says to them, hey, you know, what's going on, guys? They're like, oh, where have you been? They say, well, you know, we, we're the only one who doesn't know what happened here. I mean, we, we had hoped that this Jesus, he's a prophet that was so mighty in word and power. We had hoped he was the one, but they killed him. They crucified him. And I love it what Jesus comes and says. Luke 24 Verses 25 and 6 says to this, And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of Scripture the things concerning himself. Mind-blowing. And they were, their minds were blown. It goes on to say in verse 32, They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke to us on the road? while he opened up scriptures. So this is really important. I mean, these are two, uh, these are these Jewish guys that knew scripture, uh, that knew that there was a Messiah coming, but they didn't understand that he had to suffer to enter his glory. They didn't see the big picture. And all of a sudden, Jesus himself starts with Moses, the very beginning, we start in Genesis, we're gonna go through the prophets. It's also gonna say later in that, we're gonna go through the Psalms. I'm gonna show you one story. One story, one hero, one savior, this is all about Jesus. So their teaching is very Christ-centered. They couldn't show a passage that didn't point to Christ. They couldn't show a passage that didn't reveal that this will give us a whisper, a hint, uh, somehow typology that's going to point to Jesus. So what is the apostles' teaching? It's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's this good news. I love the way Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15, which, by the way, is this amazing passage on the resurrection. Paul's going to say this gospel is of primary importance. If you miss the gospel, it, listen, you can know scripture, you, you can memorize stuff, you can have decent theology, but it, listen, if you miss the gospel, you miss it all. Because that's the point. That's the point of the Bible. That's the point of God's redemption. So listen to this out of 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read 1 through 3. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, Paul is saying, which you received and to which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in fame. So let's see what he says. For I delivered to you as the primary importance, the first most important thing, what I received, that Christ died to, for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance to scripture he's basically saying here's the gospel christ died christ is risen christ is coming again by the way this isn't a new thing it's all according to scripture and this isn't an add-on thing this is the primary thing if you miss this you miss scripture if you miss this you miss salvation this is of primary importance that we need to keep sure that we preach and live the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. That all that God requires of us, he's fulfilled for us. Through his life, death, and resurrection, the life and the forgiveness and the grace and the hope that we have. Once you hear the gospel, you can't stop hearing it. And once you hear the gospel, there's nothing else you want to hear. 
I don't know about you, but if you go to church and you can hear a good sermon, it doesn't mention Jesus. To me, it's like nails on a chalkboard. To me, it's like you, you could teach, but if you don't tell me about what Christ has done for me, uh, you're leaving me empty. I was in a funeral yesterday. Um, you know, the worst people to go to worship services are preachers. You know that, right? It's maybe like a chef showing up at your house, and you're going to evaluate what ingredients you use, and why do you use those? And, and I don't want to be that guy. I, I want to be a loving Jesus is our Savior. Let's, let's hang on to what we mutually believe is so true. But it's interesting to hear. And again, I just long for the gospel. I just long, I just long to be reminded of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And no matter what you teach me that doesn't lead me to Jesus, it just leaves me wanting. Show me Jesus. I love what Paul will say. I think that he gets that in 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Paul will say, this is the Apostle Paul. Paul would say, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I mean, I can preach a lot of things, but if I'm not telling you the good news of Jesus, woe to me. I love what my favorite hero, Charles Spurgeon, my favorite preacher, he lived in England and preached in London uh, in the mid-1800s. He said this, a sermon without Christ as its beginning, middle, and end is a mistaken conception and a crime in execution. I love that. Man, if you're not giving me a Christ-centered sermon, if it's not going to point me to the hope in Christ, you, you, it's a mistake in conception and a crime in execution. You go, Spurgeon. So this is gospel-centered. Why? For the transformation of their minds. What did they devote themselves to? They devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were taking back Scripture and say, look at what Jesus has done. I mean, it was blowing their minds. It was transforming their hearts. And it's transformed, produced a distinct Christian worldview that we cannot lose, church. We cannot lose. The apostles' teaching teaches us the gospel, shows us God's word that gives us a distinct Christian worldview. It gives us a lens in which we need to see the world. It gives us a lens in which we understand the world. A world that God tells us that we are his, but we are strangers in this world. A world, a world that he says, you are mine, but you're my ambassadors. You're my storytellers. The lens through which we interpret God and the world. Remember, God doesn't tell us all that we need to know, but he told us everything that we do need to know for life and salvation. God, when we read the Bible, you realize God is sovereign, which means he's in complete control. God is good. He reveals himself as good, but isn't the world evil and dangerous? Listen, here's the truth. Without a biblical, Christ-centered worldview, we'll make wrong conclusions about God and ourselves in the world. We'll look at our circumstances. We'll look at the brokenness. We'll think either God doesn't care or that God isn't able or God isn't willing and we, you know, we look like maybe God left the building. So it's so important that we, that we just deep inside transform our minds and our hearts with the good news of the gospel, the apostles' teaching, so that we can walk by faith. God, there's things I don't understand, but let me walk by faith knowing that Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, that his story is unfolding. God, let me, let me walk in a living hope as I walk with my brother who's going through cancer as I walk through my, my friends who are going through divorce, as I walk through the brokenness of my life and the life of the around me, God, let me have this living hope 
that doesn't just see the brokenness and the darkness around me, but sees the light of Christ shining clearly. God, let me walk in love. Love that our world needs that just seems so angry with each other. Love because of the way you loved us. If we don't desire transformation of our minds, we will not be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Missio Dei. To be on the mission of God, we got to be devoted to the gospel. Not only that, uh, we got to be kingdom. This is not only gospel-centered, it's kingdom-focused. In Acts chapter 1, right in the beginning of Acts verse 3, it says that Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, and it tells us what he was doing. He appeared to them speaking about the kingdom of God. I love this. He's like, okay, guys, you're going to be empowered by the Spirit, but you're going to have a kingdom focus. Remember that Sermon on the Mount? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You remember that? When you pray, pray thy kingdom come. Well, let me tell you something. you got to have a kingdom focus. I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. Your life is mine. And now we got to have a kingdom focus, primary pursuit in our prayers. Is it true with you? Is the primacy of your pursuit in your prayers, thy kingdom come, God, thy will be done? Or are we just bringing a petition of our own laundry list of needs and wants that God will just be this cosmic joy that he'll be able to uh, fill our wants and needs? No, we pray first and foremost for the kingdom. We pray that his kingdom come, that his will will be done. That we remember, if we're on Missio Day, we've talked about this. What is, what is our mission here? We want to be living in submission to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That's, that's our life's calling. Live in mission to Christ, our King. We've got to be serving on mission. We're his ambassadors. Serve for Jesus, our Lord. Kingdom focused. Oh, God, may King's Chapel be a place that is always gospel-centered, always kingdom focused. We've got to be spirit-empowered. Right there in that, uh, Acts chapter 1, a few verses later in verse 8, he says this, remember, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, where we get the word martyr, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Remember what God calls us to? God qualifies us for. And what God calls us to and qualifies us for, he empowers us to do. He gives us his Holy Spirit. We gotta make sure we're spirit empowered. We gotta be community driven. Um, we gotta be united. Remember, we are the family of God. Uh, we are the family of God on mission for God to bring transformation together. We gotta be building a community here to reaching our community for the glory of our great God, for the good of our our neighbor community. Are you in Christian community? Are we seeking to win our community? Those are the things we got to have. You guys see, you come in every Sunday and just be reminded, gospel-centered, kingdom-focused, spirit-empowered, community-driven. May that be our lives. May that be our church. They, were devo- they had devotion to the fellowship. It's interesting. It's got an article in front of it. It's not just fellowship. It's the fellowship. Uh, why? For the transformation of the community. This word fellowship um, it's the Greek word koinonia, a very interesting, rich combination of, of, of words. It's our communion with Christ, and it's also our partnership with Christ. It, it basically, the fellowship is saying that we have a fellowship with one another that's with Jesus, and we also are participating with mission for Jesus. We have fellowship, we have our, what's common, our common identity in Christ. I was a Lambda Chi at Florida Southern, love being that. I called my other Lambda Chi's brothers. 
Uh, we went through ritual together. We did a lot of things together. Uh, I felt that they were my brothers. Played a lot of sports. I mean, a lot of times you say, hey, my brother's uh, on the fields. Uh, but church, that, that brotherhood's nothing compared to who we are in Christ Jesus. You and I, if we're Christians, we've all been washed with the blood of the Lamb. We've all been filled with the Spirit. Jesus has prayed for our oneness. And so there should be no greater community than the community where God's Spirit is dwelling, the bride of Christ, our oneness, our union with Christ. They devoted themselves to that, but they also devoted themselves to participate with Christ, to be serving with Christ, to be on mission. So the church shouldn't be a place we show up, get a couple good words, slap on a back, a good coffee, and a little donut, and go do our thing. I mean, it should be a place that we are, we are reminded, we gather, we worship, we learn, but then we scatter, and we're on mission. I mean, we are, the mission doesn't stop when the worship service is done. When I say the benediction, then we go. I mean, that's when we go into the world, and we be that salt uh, uh, and light. We be the, light, the uh, city on a hill. They had an uncommon unity because of their uncommon connection to Christ. And I love the fact it was going to cross over Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, you know, uh, free. It was amazing. Their fellowship was both formal and informal. And they met in houses, but they met in the temple. I mean, they were rejoicing together. They were weeping together. They were generous with one another. I love this. True Christian fellowship holds on to one another tightly and our possessions loosely. I mean, they, they were given to those in need. And they were saying, our identity's in Jesus, not our stuff. I treasure and value you more than I value my stuff. So they gave freely. When Jesus is our greatest treasure, we hold on to him tightly, his people tightly, and everything else loosely. How is it with you? What are you gripping? Are you gripping that great Savior of yours, and his people or your things? And I got to ask this question Is there room in your life for relationships? We're all busy. I, I heard it said one time is like, you know, like uh, our lives are like uh, puzzle pieces. You know, you have all those little knobs and things and stuff like that, and they connect into other pieces. But if all your knobs are connected with, with everything else in life, do you have room for anybody? You know, I mean, maybe we need to make room for our community make room for others. We fill it so much, so selfishly with us. Um, maybe make play, space for others. Relationships outside the church, inside the church, part of a small group. If we don't desire transformation of our community, we are not devoted to fellowship and we'll miss Missio Dei. The devotion to the breaking of bread. Most likely, this is clearly talking about communion, uh, this is, uh, as we gather at the Lord's Supper, this is the transformation of our hearts or our desires. This is for us to literally taste and see that the Lord is good, um, that breaking of bread. You know, what the, you know what the Lord's Supper should remind us every time as we gather together? Listen to this. This is a meal Jesus came, just told us not to forget. The broken bread is his body broken. The poured out wine uh, is his blood shed for us. It should remind us this is what our appetite for the world has produced. It's produced that the Son of God would have to be broken for us to be cleansed, broken for us to be healed. It's, it's a meal that says, taste and see how much God loves you. Taste and see how good God is. 
Change your heart's desire. The things of the world will leave you empty, wanting, and the hole just grows bigger inside of us. Feed upon Jesus, the bread of life. Come to him and find life and life abundantly. Uh, feed on him and really asking God, give us an appetite for your word. Give us an appetite for your son. Come and help us because we love junk food. You can't get my size and not love eating. Do I love them? Man, I tell you, when you, when you just, just a little bit of junk food, it just goes, come on. I love them. Chicken wings, curly fries, chocolate, all the things that clog my arteries and make me fat. <laughs> but, you know, it's like things in life that we think, you know, this, this feels good, this tastes good. I want to do it. You know, our sexual appetites, our, our, our longing for material things, you know, our, our longings uh, that oftentimes lead to our addictions. You know, and, and it's, it's saying, God, would you help me with my desires? And, and would you help me with my appetite? Make me long for the bread of life. Feed upon Christ. If we don't have our transform, if there's not a desire to transform our desires, we will not be devoted to the breaking of bread. We will not be on Missio Dei. They had devotion to the prayers for the transformation of our wills. Thy will be done. We are to pray. <laughs> what did Jesus teach his disciples? We are to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is prayer? Prayer is our crying out to God for his need, but prayer is also a realigning of our wills, right? I mean, what did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane? I mean, he's, he was sweating blood. I mean, he had to come and be, bear our sins. I mean, he had to bear the Father's wrath, right? So, so what is he doing? I mean, he's like, God, please, get this cup away from me. Take this away. I mean, oh my goodness, for the first time in eternity, I'm going to be separated from you. Please, there's got to be another way. But what does he say? But thy will be done. I mean, it was, it was, it was the reality that, that prayer would align us with his will, we submit to him. By the way, in the early church, we'll see that they prayed in the temple. In Acts 3.1, they prayed informally, intimate prayers, corporate prayers. But our prayers in Christ Jesus, these prayers of the gospel, empowered by the Spirit, we have the audacity to call the God of the heavens, Abba, Father. We come to a Father with a broken toy that we can't fix of our lives. We say, can you help us? Can you fix it? And we know that in Christ Jesus, he does. We bang on heaven's door with our cries because we're not just slaves, we're sons and we're beloved. Prayer is the open door to God which never will be shut. All other roads in our lives might be blocked, but the upward cry of our hearts will remain wide open because he'll always listen. When all else fails, Prayer will not. We should pray without ceasing. I mean, that should be the reality. I mean, prayer shouldn't be the last resort. It should be the first. I mean, prayer isn't we, we, prayer accomplishes ministry. I mean, that's what we should be doing first. By the way, we have an initiative. It's right on our Connect table. We give you these cards for intercessory prayer. We ask you to fill them out. Somebody on your heart. You want us to pray? We'll have people who pray for them, you know, as we pray. I, I, I got to tell you, I don't think our church is going to reach the next level until we really become a, a praying people together. 
praying, God, would you bring us the lost? Can we someday have that baptismal filled with people who don't know Jesus that are coming to know him? I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? we got to go to two services because God's Spirit's with I think it begins with prayer. Let's pray for one another. If we don't desire transformation of our wills, we'll never be devoted to prayer. Let me ask you as we close, do you have these ingredients in your life? Are they present in our church? King's Chapel, for us to be a faithful witness, for us to be a fruitful witness, for us to be a flourishing witness, for us to do what God has called us to do, missio Dei, be on mission for him. We need to make sure we have all of these ingredients in our lives and our church. Missio Dei. Again, the first, the first question, the ultimate question is, have you been rescued by God's grace in the work of his son? You can't live on mission for him until you've been rescued by him. Don't make, make sure you don't get the cart and the horse mixed up. Are you living for him? So as we looked at this, as we land the plane with Missio Dei, just this little four-week sermon series, remember we started with the command to go, the Great Commission. At the end of uh, Jesus' earthly ministry before he ascended, he commanded us to go, to make disciples of all nations, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to teach them to obey the power to be. Before he sent us out, he said, don't go anywhere until you get the Holy Spirit. You will be mine. You will be my witnesses. He gives us the power to be. He gives us that example to follow. We looked at the Good Samaritan, um, that we were to cross the street, to love our neighbor as ourself, as Jesus has loved us. And now the devotion of the essentials. How are you doing? How are we doing for God's great glory? For the good of our neighbor. Amen? Let's pray. Now, Father God, we thank you for the picture of the early church and just the, the essentials that they devoted themselves to. God, may we also devote ourselves to them. Um, God, I pray that Lord, that you would, your spirit would move powerfully in each one of us and among us. That God, that we at King's Chapel would be devoted to the gospel, gospel-centered. That God, we would truly be a missional, kingdom-focused people. That we would know that we could do nothing on our own. That apart from you, we could do nothing. But in Christ Jesus, who's the true vine, that we could bear much fruit that we would be spirit-empowered, that, God, we would be community-driven, that we would pursue the, that koinonia fellowship, that we would embrace one another tightly in the gospel and hold our possessions loosely. Oh, God, help us to become that church, that bride, that faithful witness that you're calling us to be. Individually and corporately, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.